Welcome. You're listening to a members-only broadcast brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. To learn more about the variety of resources, tools, and training available to you, log into the Member Center at www.barnabasfoundation.org. Good morning, everybody, and thanks for joining us. I hope as we start the new year here in January that you had a joyous Christmas season and a wonderful new year. Uh, my name is Kurt Noll, the Director of Member Relations here at Barnabas Foundation, and joining me today are two of my fantastic colleagues, Jack Strong, our Member Engagement Officer, um, and Steve Baker, one of our planners, one of our senior state planning attorneys um, on our planning team. And in a few minutes, we're going to dive into um, the SECURE Act, um, which was recently signed by President Biden and its implications for um, some charitable giving provisions that are inside of it. But before we do that, uh, we had originally planned that today's uh, session would really be about some changes that we're making um, to our member relations team. And so I'll touch on that in just a moment. Uh, but just a couple housekeeping items real quick. If you have a question today during today's broadcast, feel free to type it into the Q&A section of the Zoom uh, panel at the bottom of your screen. It'll come up here and we'll address those questions as we're able to. Um, and if we don't get to your question before the end of the session, if it comes in close to the end, we will certainly reach out to you and address it uh, after the fact. Um, today's session is also being recorded, as all of our Zoom sessions are, um, and in about 48 hours or so, or certainly by Monday, this particular recording will be available on our Member Center website. So if there's other people within your organization that needs to see um, today's broadcast or that you would like to share this with other members of your fundraising team or leadership, know you'll be able to reach out and find that in the Member Center itself. And also, just want to apologize for my voice today. I'm kind of fighting over through a chest cold at the moment, and my voice is really raspy and dry, um, but I'll do my best to get through today's discussion. So first off, on the topic of our member relations changes, um, over the years, our membership has grown substantially the last few years, and our member relations team has as well. Jack Strong joined us earlier last year, as well as Jody Youngman um, came on board, um, and as many of you know, Linnell Dykstra. And so as we've thought about how we work with and service our members, we felt it was time to say, you know what, let's let's assign a main point of contact for our members. And so we went through our member roster and we've divided up all of our membership and assigned a main point of contact. Um, for each and every one of you. And you will be receiving a letter if you haven't already done so, you'll be receiving one very soon, kind of letting you know about this change, who your main point of contact is, um, and, and just and the contact information you'll need for those folks. Now, it's important for me to note, if your main point of contact is not available, you are always welcome to reach out to any other member of the team. We are here as a collective body, the four of us together to be of service to all of our members. Um, but we just wanted to make sure you had a main point of contact so you're not wondering, should I call Jack or Linnell or Jody or Kurt on this item? You can just call your main point of contact and they can start routing things through. Um, what also should you expect? You're going to see some more individual contact coming from us on a more regular basis, a more personal level. Um, we'll be reaching out to you in various different ways via phone, via email, uh, or for face-to-face -face visits. And our goal here is to be helping you assess your plan giving program. What are the key best practices that we can help you implement um, to improve your fundraising program and, and then working on coaching and mentoring you kind of through that. So stay tuned on that. Um, I know today was going to be originally Jack and Jody and Linnell and I on here talking about these changes and introducing everybody. Um, but we have to pivot given the SECURE Act, which tends to be more important when law changes happen. So that's what we're going to do. And we're going to migrate to the next topic today. Um, so the SECURE Act was just signed into law a couple week, a week or so ago. We've had some time to digest the provisions in it. There are some important implications for charitable giving. And that's what we want to dive into first off with Steve 
you know, Steve, can you just highlight quickly or, or, or not quickly necessarily, but kind of highlight all the key provisions that are there in the SECURE Act um, for, our, for our members? Yeah, thanks a lot, Kurt. Uh, good morning or good afternoon, everybody that's on. And uh, before I jump into that, maybe a quick uh, happy birthday to Kurt. Thanks, Steve. Day. So congratulations. I thought that might be one of the reasons why he's a little bit hoarse, you know, with a little bit of age, you know, that happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, nice. so a couple of, a couple of uh, maybe opening comments. So this SECURE Act was really part of a much larger bill. It's called the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2023. Uh, so really, really large piece of uh, legislation in the SECURE Act 2.0. This version is sort of tucked inside of it. So, yeah, I'm going to just highlight some of those. Uh, we don't have time today to do a deep dive, and uh, that's not the intent of this. Um, by the way, uh, Cindy Remersma will be doing a session in February 15, I believe it is, that will probably do a little bit more in-depth on uh IRAs, how to give those, and during lifetime, maybe some of these topics will be there too. So, all right. So the SECURE Act 2.0, the, the other big comment I wanted to make was, um, some of you may remember 2006 was the first year that we were able to do these QCDs. Um, that was all kind of in response to the, the uh, Katrina disaster down in New Orleans. And uh, this bill is really, a, I believe, kind of a substantial sort of a policy mindset change. In response to Katrina, you know, there, there were some definite things that you could not do. And one of those was you could not make a gift from your IRA to fund a life income agreement. The policy idea behind that was we had a disaster. We wanted funds to go directly to charities to, to try to help in that situation. So, so that was sort of the, the big impetus for 2006. We've come a long way since then. What we have now is pretty much a couple of things. One is for 2023, we still have our $100,000 per person limit that can go from an IRA directly to a charity or multiple charities. Um, those are pretty much the same rules. A lot of you are kind of familiar with that. Um, however, in 2024, uh, that $100,000 amount will start to be indexed for inflation. So we'll have to kind of keep an eye on that and how that works from year to year and what that number will actually be. But for 2023, that number is $100,000 uh, still. Uh, one of the changes that was also made is the required minimum distributions. Um, you know, it had been 70 and a half, went to 72. So under this bill for individuals that were born between 1951 and 1959, uh, the required minimum distribution age will be 73. For those that are born 1960 and after, the required minimum distribution age will be 75. So a little bit more delay. Um, I think the policy is to let funds grow a little bit more for people to have a secure retirement. Um, the other big piece um, that I think affects the charitable giving world is this idea that uh, donors, IRA owners are now allowed to do a IRA 
charitable distribution to fund a life income uh, agreement. So in 2023, that amount will be $50,000. That's a the limit. It is a once in a one-time only up to $50,000 maximum amount. Um, so you can do some in February, um, maybe 25,000, and then you can do another 25,000 in December, that's your 50,000, and you can't do any more. If you only do 25,000 this year, you don't get to do another 25,000 in 2024 or 2027. It doesn't carry forward. It's a $50,000 maximum amount, one time only per year. If somebody doesn't do it in 2023, then that $50,000 amount will be indexed for inflation starting in 2024. So if somebody uh, were to say, I'm not going to do that now, but you know, three years from now, I'll do it, that $50,000 one-time amount will be different. Um, the amounts that go into these life income agreements um, count towards a minimum required distribution. So if you put $50,000 in this year, that 50,000 is what counts towards the required minimum distribution. Um, interesting, sometimes when people do charitable gift annuities with just after-tax funds, um, a lot of the income that's paid to them is considered a tax-free return of principal. Uh, if somebody does a $50,000 charitable gift annuity from an IRA like this, then all of those payments that come out from the uh, charitable gift annuity have to be taxed at the ordinary income tax rates for that individual. So kind of a significant change. Uh, kind of believe that that's where this policy shift came from is if we can allow these to happen, but the concession is it all has to be taxed as ordinary income. Um, payments cannot be deferred. Uh, so you can't set up a deferred gift annuity to pay in five years. They have to be an immediate pay. Uh, payments can only be made to the IRA owner or a spouse. Um, so, for example, if uh, you did a joint um, charitable, gift, um, yeah, charitable gift annuity, you can fund it with uh, each individual putting 50000 in, and payments can be made to both uh, spouses. Uh, life income agreements also include charitable remainder trusts and charitable remainder annuity trusts, um, same taxation. So when payments are made out of the charitable remainder trust, they are all taxed as ordinary income. Um, currently, when somebody funds a charitable remainder trust with real estate or appreciated assets, um, there's a four-tier kind of accounting system that has to take place. Right now, if somebody does this with a for a charitable remainder trust, they are all taxed at ordinary income rates. Um, another interesting thing with the charitable remainder trust is uh, you cannot add to an existing charitable remainder trust. Uh, we're going to get this question a lot, I believe. Uh, donors have already a charitable remainder trust. Can I just add to it? Not with the QCD, you can't. They can add to it with other after-tax investments, stocks, real estate, cash, uh, not with this new law. 
In addition, if you set up a charitable remainder trust this year with the 50,000, or if husband and wife set up a charitable remainder trust for 100,000, you can't add to that next year either. So these the QCD sort of charitable remainder trust is going to be a silo. It's the only funds that are in that are from the IRA. It's not to an existing charitable remainder trust, and you can't add to it later. And the reason for that is it just is going to get too convoluted with trying to keep track of what has to come out as ordinary income and what gets taxed out as differently. So not a problem to have multiple charitable remainder trusts. Many donors may have those already. So um, adding another one will not be a, 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 an issue, I don't believe. Uh, these life income agreements also have to pass kind of the ordinary tests that charitable remainder trusts, gift annuities have to pass. So we're going to have to run calculations on these. We're going to have to make sure they pass the tests. Um, and again, the only challenge with some of that is going to be if you have a donor who is over 70 and a half, say 75, and maybe a spouse that's younger in their 60s, then we have to make sure that it passes the test. And the minimum uh, payout rate on a gift annuity funded through this QCD has to be 5%. And so, again, depending on ages of uh, a joint CGA, the annuitants, um, it could be below that. And so we have to make sure that we get the right ages and the right situation and the right people uh, involved to kind of do this. Um, some people have done um, charitable remainder trust gift annuities where it has paid the income to another person, and that will not be allowed uh, under this. Again, the IRA owner being the one who has had the distribution come out, I think the policy is they're going to have to pay the tax at their rate. You can't just shift uh, the tax rate to a person that might have a lower income tax bracket. So there's there's some benefit some some policy reasons behind uh, where a lot of this is going. So I I think in general that's kind of covered it. Um, there will be some more uh, I believe regulations that kind of come out and some more commentary that comes out that will start to clarify this a little bit more. Uh, but I think that will summarize it for now. And we're always happy to have questions. Uh, if you have a question on that later, please call one of us. We'll be happy to talk through that with you. Thanks, Steve, for that summary. It was um, there is a lot of provisions in this bill, and there's a lot of unique provisions in the bill because the being funded with this tax deferred IRA asset. And some of and the first pass and first reading, when you look at the restrictions on you can't add money to a CRT that was funded with an IRA, you can't, can't put this money into an existing CRT, makes you start to scratch your head until you think about the tax implications and the fact that all the payments coming out of either a CGA or a CRT funded with an IRA, QCD, is going to be fully taxable to the beneficiary, or the, to, in this case, just the husband and their spouse on a two-life scenario. Um, so interesting. I will say, you know, from our organization's standpoint and viewpoint, and this kind of goes to the question Bill just asked about, uh, you know, are we in a position to uh, administer a CRT at $50,000? Yes, we can. It's not ideal. We think that this distribution amount at $50,000 is best suited for a CGA um, rather than a CRT, because most of our CRTs you're getting into a few hundred thousand dollars and above. 
So having a $50,000 CRT is not necessarily advantageous for the donor either. And the fact that you're waiting for a K-1 and the tax benefit, there really is much of a difference between a CRT or a CGA, right? It's all ordinary income one way or the other. So uh, from that perspective, I think we'll see the vast majority of these um, uh, life income or split interest arrangement QCDs going into CGAs. At least that's would be my expectation um, for that. Um, I think, just, can, I, can I just add one thing, Kurt? If please the, do, Steve. Uh, the trust can make some sense if it's uh, uh, two spouses who are funding both the 50000 to a charitable remainder trust. True. Then it, then you start to have a $100,000 CRT that can start to make a little bit more sense. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's just a, a one person funding thing, or if it's a lesser amount, potentially, uh, yeah, it's CGA is probably the route that will happen, but we'll just have to talk through that. Right. And then just to clarify also, these distributions from an IRA into a CRT or a CGA do meet their RMDs for the year, correct? I wanted to clarify that. That is correct. And, and, and they can do that starting at 70 and a half, regardless of when their RMDs now have to start, correct? That is correct. Okay. So we've got a few shifts in dates that have happened now over the last couple of years where it used to be just 70 and a half and above, and that's when RMDs started, or actually in some cases started sooner. And then they started kicking RMD dates out later, but the QCD side of things, both for direct gifts and these life income agreements still apply at 70 and a half or beyond. Um, but if you are in a situation where you're already taking your RMD and you fall into this age, perhaps you're not 73 or 75 yet, but you're 72, since you're already taking it, you, that still applies. You don't get to defer your RMD. You're, you're, you're still subject to those RMD rules. So there are a few things in here that certainly make this stuff confusing along the way. Um, there are also a number of other provisions inside the bill that relate to savings vehicles and so forth. We won't comment on those, but there are certainly a multitude of provisions related to different savings vehicles that anyone, any donors who may have questions to certainly seek out advice from a financial advisor on that. I will be mentioning that very soon. Excellent. Uh, thanks for the reminder. Um, but we will have um, materials on this coming out tomorrow. So be looking for an email from us with a variety of marketing materials that our team has put together related to this new SECURE Act. Um, and I'm just checking the question board here. We had a couple of them that we've been able to address. And Dave, I do see your question and correct. We did, uh, Steve was able to touch on that. 100% of the income coming out of these vehicles will be fully taxable ordinary income to the um, uh, recipient of, of the annuitants or the beneficiaries of the trust, which is either the, the husband or the spouse because it's limited to just those folks. Um, in addition to this, Steve, so we had the, the SECURE Act change, we had all this going on, but at the same time, right at the beginning of the year, the ACGA announced rate changes. So can you just comment, comment on that for just a quick moment? Well, uh, as, as you all know that um, the gift annuity rates are dependent on the ages uh, of a single person and or a couple to do a, a joint uh, annuity. Um, so, you know, again, it just depends a little bit on where people fall in the schedule. But however, uh, the rates have gone up. Uh, I believe that it is about a two-tenths of a percent uh, up in general kind of per category or or, or table. So uh, that's helpful, I think, for, for folks. Um, it's not that 
the CGA rates went up uh, in kind of step with what we saw with inflation over the last year. Those are, are entirely different things. And the study that was done um, basically takes into account life expectancies and the interest rate environment, more so the AFR rates. So uh, if, if people are thinking that, hey, I'm going to do a gift annuity and inflation went way up, so the rates are going to be up 6% higher, that, that's not going to be the case. But they are up, and um, and I think that's um, that's probably a, a good thing for the donors who wish to do the gift annuities, um, especially if you're in the the older age groups. Uh, those those rates going up are going to be uh, pretty pretty helpful. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that's about all I can comment on, and I can't give you the specific kind of here's how much they've gone up because it just depends on where the ages fall in the schedules. Right, right. Yeah, just different age groups and singles and two life, all those rates did shift. And we saw from a few tenths to maybe a half a point at the most, I think I saw across the schedule. But um, what it does create is an environment where there's two opportunities here to be talking to donors about this, both from the increase in the ACGA rates, as well as the passage of the SECURE Act um, and those provisions. And so that's where I want to bring Jack into this equation. I did see a couple of the questions pop in. I will get to those in just a moment. So stay tuned. Um, but, you know, Jack, in light of these changes, new rates from ACGA, that's always a talking point to talk to about donors. But now the SECURE Act, you know, how do we recommend or how would you recommend being a fundraiser yourself for so many years? How do you leverage this now in your engagement with donors? Well, Kurt, I, you know, I think the, the biggest thing is whenever something new like this comes up, it's a great opportunity to be able to really share with your donor community um, because your supporters that are out there are, um, you know, especially the ones that have been long time um, really supporting your mission. They're looking for opportunities to be able to find new and creative ways to do that. Um, and we certainly know that the uh, gifts for life income have always been very, very popular through many of our ministries. We uh, all here at Barnabas, as well as throughout our member community, all know that. So if that's the case, it's a great time to be introducing this or clarifying it the best way possible with your donor community. Um, and so some of the materials that Kurt mentioned earlier will be great at helping with that. So again, a lot of those will be coming out in the next day or so. Uh, I think some of those are going to be customizable for our members as well. So it's a great opportunity to start sharing this and getting as much clarity as possible. Also, I think with historic rate increases, uh, this is the second time within about six months that we have seen you know, a climb in the rates. And I don't know for you guys, but I can't really remember a time when we've seen that happen within a quote unquote calendar year where we've had two increases. Most certainly. Can you guys remember anything like that? No, not in so my six years Yeah, I think that's a real, you know, we've seen it go down you know, before, but I don't think ever, ever, you know, looking at it to go up or increase, even though it may be slight, that's still something you want to share. And I think anytime there is that type of opportunity, that's something to get out there and be in front of and at least get highlighted in a newsletter and any type of communications you have going to your support community. 
The last thing is any opportunity to support from an IRA, because we've seen how many gifts really change over in the last five years to really take advantage of QCD type of giving. Again, this is just another way to broker both uh, thinking about QCD type of giving, but also thinking about leveraging it to this type of uh, income for life situation that could still have charitable benefit. So mm -hmm. I think anytime we can do those things, we want to be as active with what's going on in the news community. We want to be pushing that out as well. Great. And Jack, just because this is so important, remind our audience today, who is the, the, the prime audience that you're trying to communicate this, this particular set of opportunities to? Yeah, that's really great too, Kurt. The, the ideas behind this is you're obviously looking at, you know, if you've done any type of age append and you have an idea of what your donor age group is, um, 70 plus is going to be the key marketplace, obviously, because that fits most times with these types of gifts that pay income type of opportunities. Um, and again, they're just going to be the, the best where the rates are going to kick in. They're going to be looking somewhat attractive to that donor community. Second is anybody who's given with an IRA, uh, they've given through a QCD. Um, obviously, you then know that they've or they've identified themselves that they have an IRA and they could benefit from this information, whether it's general or more specific. Also, anybody who has an extensive giving history, and I usually look at that at uh, 20 to 25 years plus, that probably is an indication of also age within the donor base. Um, that might be a good target area. And last, if they've ever done any type of existing you know, income agreement already for your ministry, that's another area that you certainly want to be able to share with them this exciting new possibility that may be able to be benefit to them and also to your ministry. Thanks, Jack. And Steve, just as you engage with donors that have been referred to us from our members, any unique characteristics that you see routinely of folks that are interested in CGAs or have done CGAs, comments they've made, characteristics, whatever it is, what are those kind of key things that come out to you or come in your mind that you've seen that might be helpful for our fundraising uh, members at our, at our members to uh, the staff there to be looking for? Yeah, uh, thanks. I think the, the first thing I would say is that every person who's doing the gift annuity, uh, their, their number one intent and goal is to make a gift. Um, we've been stressing that for years and years. I know our member community has been stressing that, but I think we have to continue that that is the number one idea is we're making a gift. Uh, we're not making an investment and we're not trying to you know, do any of those things. We're making a gift, that's number one. Um, I, I think I agree with the slide that you had up in the age groups. Um, that's another characteristic typically in the older categories of, of donors. Um, I think um, another common characteristic I've seen is more gift annuities funded with kind of the cash um, sort of concept rather than with the appreciated stocks uh, because you just have the ability to, to have uh, the tax-free return of principal, which for folks um, has tended to be kind of a really nice benefit and something that they've desired. Um, 
and I think um, in in this new environment we're in, um, you know, you you now have an additional opportunity. Uh, I I want to make sure I clarify the outright QCD limit is a hundred thousand, and the CGA life income limit is fifty. That doesn't mean that they offset each other. So for those of you who are worried that. Um, the life income gifts will reduce the amount of the direct gift from the uh, IRAs. Um, I, I don't believe that that will be the case because the limit for an outright gift from an IRA is still the same. So theoretically, um, you know, this year someone could do a hundred thousand direct from an IRA and do fifty thousand from an IRA for the life income agreement. So. Mm -hmm. They don't have to choose one versus the other. Uh, they, they can do both. Um, again, obviously, if they do the 50 this year, they won't be able to choose again next year. But um, so I, I think the folks with um, with the gift, or I'm sorry, with the IRAs that have been doing the um, QCDs for a number of years, um, I think they're going to be a, a ones that are going to be interested in the life income agree agreements as well and the charitable gift annuities. So. Thanks, Steve. Thank both uh, you and Jack uh, for joining me today. The last couple of questions I'll touch on real quick. And I think Steve, you just kind of alluded to this, um, you know, is, is this amount allowed to 50,000 or $100,000 per year? No, it's not. It's a one-time deal. Um, and it has to be done in the all in one year. So as Steve mentioned earlier, you can do it in different pieces, but it has to be in the same calendar year or you lose the ability to fulfill the 50,000 or, or 100,000 for a couple. Um, and then the next year, if you don't use the whole thing in the current year. So uh, it's kind of unique that way. Um, hopefully future bills will allow for people to do repeated ones of these. That would be wonderful. Um, but also know that next year, 2024, the $50,000 will be indexed for inflation. So if inflation's up 4% this year, it'll be $52,000 next year instead of $50,000. So some people, maybe they'll wait for inflation increases or whatever, but it is a one-shot deal. Um, and then lastly, um, do we send anything out to donors we work with already? Yes, we do. We will be sending out some information about this only to donors who have existing CGAs with us today. Um, so folks that have written charitable gift annuities with Barnabas Foundation, we will send them some updated information um, out, to, out to them regarding this um, and encouraging them to reach out if they have any particular questions. But we want to really and strongly encourage you all to take advantage of the materials. And as we mentioned, um, tomorrow we'll be releasing materials on this topic. Um, so look for that email coming out tomorrow. And if you have questions on any of that, let us know. For any of you that have our IRA fact sheet already customized, we are automatically updating all of those for you and we'll be sending you new files in the very near future. Um, so if you need uh, have any questions on that, that, feel free to reach out to Linnell in our office. And if you don't have our IRA fact sheet and need one, reach out to Linnell and get one on order. We'll be happy to fulfill that for you. Um, a couple other quick notes um, on February 1st will be our next member live. It's an extra one this year. Um, we're actually gonna do a short one on our donor survey program. That's now just over a year old. The results we're seeing, the impact it's having, um, just to keep you all informed on how that's going. Um, so if you have any interest at all, be sure to tune in on February 1st and be looking for emails on that. Our next client live, as, as Steve mentioned, was, uh, is going to be on uh, February 15th. Uh, we'll send you to be joining me. We'll be talking about the topic is give now or later from your IRA. 
certainly will be incorporating some of this information regarding QCDs to life income agreements into that broadcast. This is one of those events where you want to be inviting your donors to this. And so as part of your push out to communication, take a look at the materials we have on that, too, because you may, to that audience of folks, want to avoid or invite them to join us on February 15th um, so that they can hear our broadcast. Again, that will also be recorded. Um, you'll be able to access the recording after the fact. Um, and our client lives, as a reminder, we do ask for registration in advance. So there's a link for that. And if you, if your parties, if any of your donors reference you as being the referring institution, we will be sure to let you know who attended and, and mentioned you in their referral so that you have the ability to follow up with those donors after the fact. And then lastly, um, or second to last, uh, CLA is in Chicago this year. So if you are coming to CLA in March in Chicago, be sure to let us know. If anyone from your organization is attending CLA, let us know. Doesn't matter if they're in finance or IT, HR, fundraising or what. Let us know. We want to host you for some wonderful Chicago-style pizza uh, one evening, and more details on that will be coming out, uh, but it'll be a great time of fellowship. And then lastly, um, our second quarter marketing plan, um, which also has some uh, focus on life income agreements as well as giving of assets, that'll be released on January 24th. So keep an eye on that. And I think that's just about it for my voice today. Um, Steve and Jack, thank you so much for joining me. Um, so honored to be in, in service to you and in the kingdom with each and every one of our members. Um, be blessed and have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. This has been a members-only broadcast brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. Learn more about the variety of resources, tools, and training available to you by logging into the Member Center at www.barnabasfoundation.org.